0: welcome back to everything podcast on today's episode gabe honest mdv and i we dive into leaderboards in particular this idea of rx and scaled we talk about working through injuries and we finish up talking about rpe rate of perceived exertion now this is something we've added at nc fit at the NC Collective. We're super excited about this. I think it's a great way to create a conversation with athletes of what we're looking for. So make sure to stay tuned on this episode. If you're a coach, if you're an owner, if this is a great one for you, I hope you go back, listen to a with Kalipas, listen to other episodes. We have a bunch more amazing episodes coming out. I hope you and your family's doing well. Take a seat, relax, and enjoy this episode. Let's go. Well, you gotta look at the legacy of how RX and scale came to be, right? I mean- yeah. If you go back to CrossFit.com back in 2000 and whatever, 2006, you could see me on the workout of the day saying, Jason, male, 205, RX. And that was always like kind of like a badge of honor that you would strive for. And I think there was something special about that because you were striving to get to these loads. You were striving to get to this uh, achievement. But I think those things have evolved over the years. I think we just gotta be aware of it. That's all. And I think that, you know, it isn't a lesser option. It's the best workout for that individual that day. But I think if you look back on the history of how RX and scale came to be, is that you had a prescribed workout and then basically anything but that was a scaled version of it. And I think that, um, again, In the beginning, it was cool because you were like striving for these heavier loads. You were striving for this better whatever. And I think it was more of like an inspirational thing. And then I think it turned into like, if you're not doing it, you're lesser than. Whereas before in the beginning, it was like, we were all trying to catch up to it. Now, a lot of people are there. Some people aren't, but it's like this, like two different groups. And I think that's unfortunate because ultimately we just want people to get in the best workout for them that day. And there has been pressure, like even on me, for example if you walk into the gym and the workout's written up as one thing but maybe that day you're not really feeling that particular thing um you know you're going to want to do it because you think that's the only way but it's not the only way you know that's why i think the performance and fitness are good options for us uh moving into 2023 which i'm really excited about at an rp10 all the time
1: <laughs> well th- there certainly is a- an inspirational aspect to seeing somebody else's score on a workout and going wow jason achieved a three minute Fran. I never thought ever that anybody could do a time like that. And one of my goals will be to push myself to get to a three minute Fran time or whatever you wanted to put into your head. I think that where it gets a little confused is the fact that if you don't have the capacity or you don't have the strength or you don't have the pull up volume nailed down, you could be trying to push yourself to a three-minute Fran with too much, too soon, too fast. And instead of using it as inspiration, you almost use it as like a, a bruise to your ego that you're not there yet. And you know, there there is something to seeing where everybody stacks up in terms of uh, an as-written workout, right? Like you could take 10 people and they could all do this workout. And at the end, you have 10 scores and you get to stack them up and see who had the best workout that day based on the as-written workout. Because all the variables, for the most part, would be the same. If the setup was the same, the environment was the same, the equipment was the same, and the workout was the same. Theoretically, you can rank people based on their scores there, right? Like you have 10 people do Fran in the same setup, the same equipment, the same area, and they all have different scores and you go, okay, Jason's the champion. He got a two minute and 32nd Fran and MDV is the 10th person in the spot spot. He got a a seven minute Fran, but the more important thing than that, I think for the general population, for people who are walking into gyms on an everyday basis and using fitness to better their life is not necessarily where they stack up on a leaderboard in terms of everybody else it's where you stack up on a leaderboard against yourself and what your previous performances are but even more important than that how do you stack up against yourself that day what are the factors in your life that are leading you to make your decisions in your workout that you go i got no sleep last night because my newborn baby was up and i had to change their diaper 47 times
0: or how many times uh, did you change a diaper last night uh uh gabe We're averaging like three, four a night. I haven't gotten to the thousands, but
1: definitely not feeling my best if I were to hit the gym these days. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that that's the whole point, right? Like this is not a competition. This is not something where we're going out there and trying to stand on top of a podium every single day to see who's the fittest athlete in the class or in the gym. Yeah. It's cool to have those and to kind of have those leaderboard victories, but like The cooler thing for most people who are using fitness to enhance their life is like figuring out how you get your best workout that day. And then how do you use your fitness outside of the gym to benefit your life? So that's kind of like my take on RX and scale. We don't use those terms a whole lot at NC fit. You know, we, we talk about adjusting workouts much more than we talk about scaling workouts. And those two terms are definitely interchangeable. But I think the stigma to adjust a workout is less than saying scaling.
2: Yeah. And I think that, you know, if you if you steel man the argument for going with this terminology, you know, I think early on there was something incredibly beneficial about sparking a competitive drive in people that previously weren't competitive. And that was kind of what finally made them hit. You know, the requisite intensity to finally see results with fitness. You know, there was a lot of people that were going and turning the TV on on the elliptical and wasting an hour and then doing some bicep curls and tricep extensions and were like, hey, I don't feel better. I don't look better. And all of a sudden, you know, you add their name and a leaderboard at a gym and they're like, hot damn, like I got to work a little bit harder because I don't want MDV to beat me. I don't want Sally to be beating me. Right. And that's what. Completely change their life. And I think that the tough thing though is that is a minority, right? Like, I think that there are a few people, especially now that like need that competitive push to help them go from not doing enough to doing just enough to see progress. I think that now a lot of people, it's, you know, it's not that they're not doing enough, but they're almost going to like wanting to do too much every single day because they become so you know so caught up on this like leaderboard action but i think it's tough to want to change the culture of a lot of these gyms that have a group of ogs that like their life was changed because of this leaderboard aspect and rx and scaled and for them to see it go away almost feels like you're taking a a piece of the the journey that got them to where they are now that was responsible for getting them where they are now and i know a lot of gym owners feel that way too yeah. But I completely agree with you. Everything you said, everything you've explained makes perfect rational sense. People well, should be competing against themselves, but it's just tough to make people change what I think was so impactful
0: for them when,
2: when this type of training was born.
0: Well, you can just remove the leaderboard entirely if you want. I mean, that's what we've done for years, and it solves that problem pretty well.
1: Well, let, I, I just want to be clear that this is what works for me personally. It works for my own fitness, it works for, for my point of view on fitness, and it works for us at NC Fit as an organization with our athletes within our four walls. There are gyms out there that utilize the leaderboard and the words RX and scaled, and they do it in a way that is very beneficial for their athletes and their gym. And they they may they don't have clicks or they don't have this uh stigma. Or maybe they do and they like it that way. Maybe they do want to have a pecking order in the gym. And I think that's fine as well, as long as you're setting the expectation for your athletes about this is how the fitness experience goes down within the walls of our gym. And that's something that I've been very vocal about, you know, within the the NC Fit Collective, the collective service that we use to distribute our workouts, our class plans, a lot of our coaching content to a lot of gyms around the world is the fact that when you receive this content, you are now taking it from us. And in a lot of ways, You're making it your own. And if you wanted to, within the four walls of your gym, run the NC fit workouts with a leaderboard, you could, that that's fine. That that's okay. Um, you know, my personal opinion on it is the fact that I think that it can cause, it has the potential to cause more issues than can help. But I do think that that, that owners, gym owners out there, head coaches, those are the people who are ultimately responsible for creating the fitness experience within their gym and setting the expectation for their members. And, you know, kind of a classic example of this would be, we've talked about this, I think before is like, you guys have ever heard of the restaurant Dick's last resort? No, sounds fun though. (laughs) Well, okay. So the work, the the restaurant Dick's last resort is this chain restaurant concept that I believe mostly on the East coast might be mostly Florida (laughs) Has to be because I've never heard of it. Yeah. Mostly on the East coast. But the whole deal, when you go to Dick's last resort is the fact that they treat you like shit. Like that's the deal. Like they treat you like shit. They make fun of you. They put like a dunce cap on you. They like, don't take your order. Right. Like they call you names and it's kind of part of the experience. That's like why people go there. They go and they pay money. At a restaurant to have a good time and to get hassled right but it's not like you're going to um, ruth chris steakhouse and when you go to ruth chris steakhouse that's not the expectation there the expectation when you go to a place like ruth chris is that You're going to have excellent service, that you're going to have attentive service. You're going to have people who are very, very kind and accommodating for you. You're going to have a super high quality meal. It's going to be peaceful. There's not going to be people running around in tank tops and like shooting off fireworks out of their butt or whatever. Like at Dick's Last Resort versus Ruth Chris, it's a very, very different experience. And I think the same thing can hold in the fitness industry that if you wanted to create an environment like that, you certainly could, and you could make it that way as long as the athletes know what they're signing up for when they come into your gym. That I think is the most important thing. Wait, so do they actually mess up your order on purpose? I don't know if they mess with your order, but I know that they like give you shit about like what you would order or like, you know, if, if, if you're like a really lean and muscular guy who's like, oh, I'll take like the chicken breast grilled on the salad. They'll be like, okay, you're a Nancy. Like, why are you ordering that type of stuff? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I can, <laughs> now I'm kind of curious. I want to go check this place out. I mean, this is
1: I, not Kalipa approved. You would be now. would be, He'd be so upset. You would, you would be out of the yeah, out of out of your element. Yeah. I wouldn't understand
0: yeah. why my order would get messed up though. Um, you can't you can't go from the MENA Group to one of those. Oh yeah. man, the MENA Group. There we go. That's excellence in service right there. Um, anyways, all good. I got to get after something here in a little bit. By the way, MDV's gonna join me. We're gonna get on the C two bike
1: what's on the docket definitely get on the c2 bike i've been loving the c2 bike with my hip by the way the hip is uh the hip is doing pretty well which is awesome good good does the c2 bike not aggravate it or actually make it feel better so the um the interesting difference between so for anybody who's listening about 10 months ago um i started getting um like a very interesting pulling type of pain in the front of my right hip and i was my training volume was very very high My jujitsu volume was, was pretty high as well. Hell yeah, a lot of weighted rucking at the time. And I I think that I was just doing too much and I either strained a lot of the muscles and ligaments in my hip, or I had something happen in which like I overstretched everything. And then the response of my body was to, Hey, no, we got to tighten up and protect what's going on. Um, And I've done a lot of work, um, some stuff's more successful than others. Um, I did PRP, I've taken time off. The best thing, honestly, has been monitoring my own training uh, volume because on days when I feel good, you know, through that 10 months, I had days where I felt really good and I would drop the hammer again. And then two or three days later, I'd be like, no, 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 no. My My body did not like that. So I've had to respect a lot more. I need weeks and weeks of consecutive feeling good Before I can incrementally tune up the training volume or do something that I know might be a little bit more of like a borderline movement. For example, I couldn't do weighted lunges for a while, but every time I felt good, I'd be like, okay, I wanna try a weighted lunge today. That was not the move. The move probably would have been to say, okay, I've got three or four weeks underneath my belt now. Now I'm gonna grab the 20 pound dumbbells and do a weighted lunge again instead of trying to do you know, alternating weighted lunges with the 50 pound dumbbells because that's where I was. Yeah, man.
2: Injuries are tricky to navigate, dude. Super tricky to navigate because it's especially if you're, you know, someone like us that fitness is such a big part of like who we are and us feeling good and feeling, you know, able to perform in all other areas of our life. I can't imagine how. Fr- I mean, I've, I've dealt with injuries, but this has been a long time, man. I can't imagine how frustrating it gets at times, and also like the the emotional roller coaster of feel good today, like let's go, and then two three days later, like, god damn it, you know, it's 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 tough, man. So definitely don't envy that, but I'm glad that it's it's feeling better. That's that's really good news.
0: No, that's super good. I agree, MDV. It's tough for you. I mean, I see you all the time just working on your hip, and it's just like it's so it's like so um i imagine for you it must be difficult because it's not like that rewarding it's not like you're going out there and setting prs or like lifting heavy weights or doing
1: you're like mobilizing with like a band it's like you know but that's the stuff you need you know what's really interesting is that like um once i peeled back the layers of the initial shock of not um not deriving fulfillment just purely from exertion whether that exertion meant Um, you know, I was going really hard in the paint or whether it was more of like, oh, I got a really great workout today. And, you know, I, I did the weights that were good for me. And um, I've, I've, I've come to really enjoy stretching and mobilization in a way where I'm finding wins in that, which is super interesting to me. Like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't, I didn't have the range of motion in my hip to do a pigeon stretch that I could get myself across my right hip like i had to be upright but now i can and it's really really fulfilling to be like wow i've opened up my body to a new range of motion or finding um these kind of movements or positions like doing more cat cows and what does what does that do for my shoulder stability when i'm kind of uh, bracing my scapulars or what does that do for my midline strength and the definition of my abdomen just by doing these movements more intentionally, it's really, really interesting. And it's a type of training and a type of approach that really I didn't subscribe to for many years, but it, it's 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 fruitful for me right now. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and it's different. You know, I'm not dropping the hammer as much. I've had to take jujitsu completely off for the past like eight or 10 weeks, which is really tough because I was, I was hitting a stride there that I really, um, really enjoyed. Um, but, you know, I think, ultimately, the, the most important thing is, like I said before, like, checking my ego on this stuff and realizing that fitness needs to enhance my life it needs to enhance my life not detract from it. And what it was doing when I felt good and would test myself against the injury. A couple of days later, it, it would fucking detract from my life. Astronomically, dude, I'd be like, my hip would be throbbing, I'd be in pain, I couldn't walk, right? Like, and now it's just so much better for me To make the right decisions in the moment consistently and not worry about where i have been in the past or or what i think i have the capacity to do yeah i gotta get on that train i uh i get
0: into the gym i get all excited and then all of a sudden i'm so sore (laughs) for a couple days (laughs) rpe10 bro we were doing we were doing hang cleans the other day it was supposed to be an rpe5 ain't no rpe5 over here when rpe10 um all the time. but yeah, Need I, the shirt. I got,
1: Need the shirt. The RPE 10 shirt. The shirt's coming well, out. Let's explain NCAA. why it was RPE 5. Because we we kicked off a new strength cycle here at the beginning of the year at NC Fit. And part of that strength cycle was a wave loading, um, progressive building over seven weeks with the hang power snatch and the hang, hang um, power clean. So the first week of this is light to light moderate cycling and working on The mechanics of the movement and really trying to refine the mechanics so that over the course of the next couple of weeks it goes from rpe5 to maybe rpe6 or seven and then we'll probably end in more of like an rpe8 type of range but jason was uh was doing probably a a little bit more than the average bear yeah uh, i was definitely an rp
0: uh eight i mean um just for for numbers sake i mean no big deal i was uh it was 225 for six reps was where i finished Um, but that's, there's, you know, just kind of duck, a duck, that's nowhere near RPE five for me. So I definitely did not start the strain cycle off correctly at all. Um, I wasn't wearing thumb tape, so maybe I could have done better (laughs) or a belt, but, uh, that was more like an RPE seven or eight. So, you know, definitely I let my ego get the best of me on that day. And I got to, I got to revert back for next week because we're on this cycle, but my cycle is going to end really quickly. If I, if
1: I went too hard, too fast, you know? I think that that's something important to recognize too is that like um you know coaches or gym owners who are taking class with their members this is the you should be the ultimate representation of what you want the program to be and what you want your athletes to demonstrate and this used to this used to bother me so much and I'm, i'm guilty of it as well i'm guilty of it like to do a workout where I was, you know, demonstrating less than ideal mechanics, just to get a score on a leaderboard that I thought was impressive for me or would impress the people around me. But what actually is probably the better choice is demonstrating how you ride that line of intensity and mechanics, and then how you uh accurately represent what the stimulus of the workout should be that day because you know we noted the fram workout earlier yeah that's an rpe9 or an RPE 10 type of workout like you should be going hard if you have the capacity for that and you feel good that day like we talked about before but there's other workouts in the 20 30 minute range or because of the loading in the workout or because of the intended stimulus or whatever the total volume all these factors combine that we want the athlete to be more in like an RPE six or seven range. And that's just rate of perceived exertion. That's just how hard are you pushing yourself across the average of the entire workout. And maybe there's moments in a workout that's a little bit longer, a grind workout, where you're going to have to push a little harder for sure. But on average, you, you want to be below a certain threshold. If you go into a 30-minute workout, let's say you go into the MRF workout and you've got a 20 pound vest on, and you've you're looking at this and you're going, all right. Uh, I've never done this before in a 20 pound vest. Like I, I know my capacity isn't high enough to really push myself on this run. Like it's a mistake to take that first mile as fast as humanly possible. It's probably a mistake for someone like Jason or for me to try to run our mile as fast as humanly possible because you have however many repetitions through the middle of this workout and then another mile at the back end of the workout where you have to have something left in the tank so you know i know that the murph workout it's an incredibly challenging workout I'm not saying it's not a tough workout but your intensity level or your exertion level from start to finish probably averages lower than it would be in a Fran workout because you're throttling through different gears in that workout. You might start a little slower. You might try to push a little bit more evenly through the middle of that workout. And then you might try to throttle down the last 800 meters of that second mile run. And you feel like you finished and you're like, wow, that was an RPE 10. It probably wasn't. It probably was more of an average, like a seven or an eight across the entire workout.
0: For the record, my movement on the the cleans wasn't bad. Um now I can't always say my movement in the back. workouts is isn't isn't bad. I, I can't say that. So that's something I gotta work on. It's all good. It's all good. It's a little work in progress. But yeah, I mean a lot of those people I take classes, I take classes with them pretty regularly. So they've seen me move. But yeah, I definitely need to keep that in mind the next time.
2: I love that we're using RP for for the training. You know, for someone like me, it's so beneficial. Because the alternative, especially on strength portions, is percentage work, you know, something that I think a lot of coaches, gym owners have used in the past. And I think that, I mean, I've had this experience, you know, there's days you don't feel great, but you're so like tunnel focused on the programming says 80% today. And that, you know, computes to uh, 275 on the back, whatever, right? A number, but you're just not feeling it you end up completely, A, you could risk injury, B, you're not hitting the stimulus of that day. Um, So it's so much nicer to have a scale that just given how you feel that day, it's RPE7, right? And that means something. It's not this like specific number that's a percentage of a day that you PR'd where you were feeling great, you got great sleep, your nutrition was on point, because all those variables will have a big impact on the percentage work you're trying to do now. So I appreciate that approach to training specifically when it comes to strength portions. And I
0: know there's a lot of people out there that fall in that same bucket. Well, the strength yep. portion is key. Like this morning, I was back squatting with Ava and I used the term. I was like, hey, this is like a the rate of like your perceived effort. Like I was trying to like word it with her. Like but what I want you to feel like the rate of your perceived exertion should be somewhere around Scale of 1 to 10, Ava, like somewhere around like a 6 or 7 this morning, like a 6. So it should be hard for you to come out of the pocket on round 4 and 5, but it shouldn't be crazy. And so I was using that as a vernacular, trying to develop it with the kids over time, because it makes the decision-making really easy. Like, hey, today I'm looking for a 6. And then slowly I want to develop that with my kids, which also then obviously with our athletes is so incredible, because it's easy. They walk in the gym, it's like, hey guys, we're looking for a 6 today. Boom, they already know exactly what they're thinking and feeling. It just makes the decision-making process so much easier so i'm layering that in um with the training right now uh, and that's as a useful tool you know and that's so key
2: with the tool like you know why this is how we're going about it at our gyms and why this is a tool that we're really excited about for collective coaches because yes there's going to be some education up front and we have resources to help you communicate that and educate your athletes all that's available But with time, right, like you educate up front, you front load that. But to your point, Jay, and like with time, if you have 10 athletes that have been training you for a while, you can say, hey, today is a grind workout type RPE8. You're done, right? Like they know exactly what that means versus having to say, hey, today's a little bit of a longer chipper. You're going to want to pace yourself, like so on and so forth. That's why we have the workout types and the RPE. And I think combining those two with time, once you get past, like really educating the members just makes it like a one sentence conversation and athletes should be like, Oh, like I know what I'm going after today.
1: Yeah. So I, I agree with, with both you guys on this and it is easier to assign RPE to a single variable assignment, a lift, uh, a one max set of something, a single modality experience uh, a row or a run or whatever right if i said hey jason you're going to go run a mile and i want you to run it at an rpe 10 that's pretty clear that's pretty clear now he might have to strategically balance himself across that mile time about okay well i know that if i come out too hot i probably have to kind of cool it down but he's asking me to go at my maximum effort for this workout And that's very, very clear when it comes to things like lifting, right? You can say, all right, my perceived exertion for this lift should be, if I say RPE 10, we're looking at your maximum perceived exertion of what you're giving that day, that day. That's the other thing that's really cool about RPE is that it doesn't necessarily assign itself to your entire history. It assigns itself to how you feel and what you think you're able to exert that day, now, the tricky part about how you assign an RPE to a multiple variable workout, like a lot of CrossFit or NC Fit workouts turn out to be, three rounds for time, you know, 40 kettlebell swings, 20 box jumps, 10 muscle ups. In that workout, we might note that hey, we want this performed at about an RPE 7 or an RPE 8. That means that what we're looking for is the athlete to average that Score average that level of exertion. That doesn't mean that at different times you might feel that it's higher or lower. That also means that this takes a level of like self reflection and humility sometimes in terms of how you might have to change or adjust the workout to meet that stimulus because you could do that workout and you could go into it. And if you, like I said before, on some of the other stuff, those movements might be. RPE 10 for you, no matter what, like getting one muscle up for some people is a maximum exertion effort, but that's not necessarily what we're asking for that day. We're asking for an average of this across the entire workout. And that's something that I noted yesterday to all of our subscribers in a little bit of a post that I wrote about RPE. And um, hopefully over the course of the next few weeks that we're able to really um, nail down with the people who do our programming and subscribe to it is the fact that like these aren't necessarily hard and fast measures. Number one, they're relative to everybody who looks at them. That should be clear is that everybody's RPE is different. So an RPE for Jason is different for me. His nine is different than my nine. But now when we're looking at workouts, you also have to consider that the RPE that we are saying This is our subjective analysis on how we think the workout is best performed or what the pace or the feeling of the exertion should be for most athletes. And that, is it arguable that it could be higher or lower? Of course. And I think in terms of like arguing, should hey, this was an RPE six, but it felt like an RPE seven. That's negligible. Like one percentage number up, excuse me, one RPE number up and down is kind of negligible. The real thing that you want to avoid is you want to avoid these big chunks. You want to avoid saying that, okay, hey, today, guys, this is a 40-minute workout that has um, a long bike. It's got a long row. It's got a, a lot of you know, sit-ups and burpees and light kettlebell swings. And we want you to be averaging an RPE 6 through the entire of this workout because it's 40 minutes long. It's a ton of volume. The movements are repetitive over and over and over again what you want to avoid as a coach or an athlete is looking at that and going RPE 6 got it but then trying to perform it at RPE 10 the entire time that's too big of a gap that is burnout that is probably not meeting a stimulus if you said to me hey this didn't feel like an RPE 6 it kind of felt like more like an RPE 7 i'd be like yeah well that's somewhat negligible that that you could certainly say that subjectively that workout could be a little bit higher or a little bit lower depending on your personal feeling and approach good i
0: love it man yeah i think there's three things we're doing here at nc fit that are helping with the experience of the, of the athletes they're going to come in they're going to know a type of workout the rpe goals and then obviously having performance and fitness so uh, yeah I, I like the direction i'm excited about it. i hope gym owners are you know even if you're not subscribing to the nc fit collective you're at least thinking through the tools and resources that we're thinking through because ultimately what we're trying to do is just create a quicker response time between the coach and the athlete to give them the best workout for that day. And those three factors are helping us do that. What type of workout? What is the uh, rate of perceived exertion? And then where should we go? What's the journey performance or fitness? And um, you know, hopefully over time, right, this isn't going to happen overnight, but hopefully over time in weeks and months, you'll get to a point where like athletes will be like, quicker much much quicker and I, I think we're gonna get there and it's gonna be fun to watch the journey so we'll keep you guys in tune on what's happening here at our gyms because you know I
1: see it happen now you can see the faces be like ah got it let's go so all good one thing that I think you know is important to to note here is that we we use the same tools and the same resources at NC fit that we distribute to all of our subscribers to the collective but we are careful at NC Fit about how much information we share directly with our subscribers athletes without the blessing of the subscribers. So like for example, when you sign up for the collective service, we're telling you that we're going to deliver you warm up, strength session or skill session, workout. Like you get all that data. That's all figured out. That's all automatically given to you. And On the side, your coaches get a really detailed lesson plan, plus all the information about how we would guide the athlete, what type of workout it is, the coach content, the video. That's all shared directly with you as the owner and your coaches. We don't automatically share bits and pieces of that document with our subscribers, athletes directly. You know, I think that that's a little bit of an overstepping. Of our bounds of being you know an organization that provides a service to our subscribers that some of the subscribers might not want to introduce their athletes to that language or they might not want to say hey you know we're using this service and this is what this means when it's an nc fit rpe6 if we leave those decisions up to the gym owners for now for now that information is included in our lesson plans The coaches are using that information, hopefully, to get a better understanding of the stimulus, to create a better lesson plan, create a better experience for their athletes. And then if they want to share it with their athletes, it's very easily transmissible to the athletes at the whiteboard, or you can include it. But I don't think it's right for us, at least at this stage, to automatically include things like RPE in the athlete notes, or include things like goal scores in the athlete notes, because people change some of the stuff that we put out, or they might not yet want to introduce it. And honestly, this is a new thing for us. This is this just came up for us in 2023. It's something that we tested in 2022 in the NC Flex program and in the Compete program. And now we're rolling it out in a more kind of uh, elaborate way. Maybe in a few months, I think we, re- we can reconsider that decision. But for now, that's how it's transmitted. We give all of our information to our gym owners and they choose what they want to share with their athletes what automatically goes to the athletes if you're subscribing to us is the the warm-up the strength or skill the workout and the cool down you guys and the owners and the coaches get to um kind of create the fitness experience around that sounds good brother
0: i love it um well mr gabe yanez we're rocking and rolling um any kind of final remarks before we close this thing out no, I mean, as
2: usual, sign up for our newsletters. Um, on the EOE newsletter, so the one for athletes, we're just talking about some common topics that come up as people try and, you know, set their new year's resolutions, work a little bit on their nutrition, their recovery, their exercise. So make sure to sign up for that. And the B2B newsletter, I'm having a lot of fun with that. That goes out every two weeks. And we're covering some good topics there. And actually the one that goes out before this podcast comes out is going to have some really good resources, a best practices doc for how to use the session plans that we include in the collective. So if you're subscribed, great. If you missed it, just shoot me an email, Gabe at nc.fit and I'll make sure you get that last one, but please subscribe to that newsletter. So you're getting all that good stuff throughout the rest of the year, but that's all I got,
0: man. All right. right, we'll keep crushing it. Keep getting after it. We'll see you again next week.